Hey guys, welcome back to Couple Goals with SM. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. I was thinking maybe we should introduce ourselves for new listeners. Like say our names. Okay, so we used to do that and yeah. you told me not to do that. That's right, that's true. I'm Maggie. <laughs> and I'm Sean. Now they know who we are. Now they know why it's called SM. For all the people who are waiting for all the Oh, then you should have been like BDSM stuff. Which we should, don't do. You should do you should do Sean first then, because S. It doesn't really matter. Okay, well, whatever. But we used to do that. We used to be like very like morning TV. Yeah. Well, I don't want to do it I'm that way. Sean and some I'm time, at some point, I feel like we should, I don't know, introduce ourselves. Uh, just since we, we get new listeners sometimes, maybe occasionally. Yeah, we do. But also pick up on contact clues, listener. <laughs> figure out who's who. <laughs> yeah. Figure out what SM means. Right. So, what's up with you? What's up with me? Uh, I get, oh, okay. So, you're like, here's what's up. Here's what's up. We, I tried to watch Aquaman a few times this week, and I think the furthest I got was about 20 minutes in or so. And that was with me. Yeah, that time. was even with you watching, and I, I just couldn't, it, was, it wasn't a good use of my time. So, that time, I was like, okay, I'll stop working. And I'll come over and I'll lay down on the couch and watch it with you. Yeah. And I was like, this is bad news bears. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I enjoy some some bad movies. I, I love 80s horror. I like uh, even, even movies that people just consider bad. Ghostbusters 2. I really like two. Ghostbusters 2. I do they too. Can, but people can fuck off with that. It's because it's not as good as the first one. But it's, it's going to be hard to live up to you know the greatest movie of all time. It's going to be hard to sequelize that. That's just how that works. Be happy with what you get in that case. Unless it's Ghostbusters 3, which is then don't be happy with what you get. But anyway, uh, I, I, my point is I don't mind a movie that's not of exceptional quality. But this, it, I think it's it, it kind of goes back to just the way I feel about big budget. Thing. I feel like something with a big budget should deliver somehow. It, 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 if you're going to put that much... Like, it's one thing when you watch a movie... Uh, like when you watch Clerks, I love Clerks. It's one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. The acting is atrocious, though. If you want to if you want to look at it completely objectively, you can be yeah. like these actors suck. Right. But you don't care because you understand it's a low budget movie. These aren't accomplished actors. These are literally people Kevin Smith plucked off the fucking streets of New Jersey. To be, hey, man, you're my friend. You want to be in a movie? OK. It's right. basically like if I made a movie. You know, like that's the you yeah. accept it. You're like, it's it's fine for what it is. But when a, a studio puts, you know, spends two, three hundred million dollars on a movie, I have certain expectations. When you get like Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Isn't that who that was? Yeah, she's in it. Yeah. yeah. You expect certain. You just you have a certain level of expectation. Right. When you get the chick from like the hours or whatever that movie was where she had like the ugly nose. And like you get stuff. <laughs> Should've I have been no called. idea what you're talking about. I have, she was in that movie. I never saw the hours. Oh, I don't know what. And that it is. was. It's funny because that that Liz Lemon and Dennis Duffy joke yeah. should have been called the Weeks. Yeah. But she got like an Academy Award for it. She was. It was like. Yeah. It's like supposedly like real highbrow acting. Yeah. And then she's all of a sudden like acting surprised to see a dog and eating a fish, and it's like, all right. It's it's just come. It just it could have been so much. We've seen so many comic book movie adaptations now that 
they should know what to do and how to do it. And and the tone they took from, you know, with the trailers and everything, it, it was just bad from the get go. Oh, way, way, way over the top dramatic, which shouldn't be for a fucking character named Water Dude. That's that's a stupid tone to take for a guy named Water Dude, which, by the way, I, I might be collaborating with a friend of the show, Steve, on a on a script on a parody movie called Water Duder. And it's going to be Aquaman as it should have been. Probably won't do that, but the concept of it's actually kind of funny. Anyway. You can do all kinds of things if you do it on a parody. Water duder. And then it'd be Will Ferrell as water duder, of course. And then yeah, his sidekick so would be this this cool, nice surfer guy played by Jason Momoa, which I think would be funny. Anyway, they, yeah, they get him acclimated like... to human life. So I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of go through what I got, how far I got in the movie. So uh, Tamira Morrison, who, who played Jango Fett in the the prequel star wars prequels he finds nicole kidman on a beach also he lives in a white in, in a white house no yeah <laughs> <laughs> lives in a lighthouse sorry <laughs> he does live he, in a white lighthouse it is, yes he lives in a white lighthouse and he finds her injured he also has ill-fitting veneers uh he finds her crashed up on a beach injured and stuff so he drags her in the house and when she comes to the first thing she does and this literally immediately took me out of the fucking movie immediately. The first thing she does is spit water everywhere as if she was choking on it when she lives underwater. So, I mean, <laughs> the first from the get go, they're fucking up like and if when a movie has missteps and I would point to Venom and that there's a lot of missteps in Venom as far as why does not this super high tech fucking lab have cameras? security that's, cameras yeah, you know what i mean but it's it's for the sake of the story and i i can overlook it for the simple fact that the, otherwise the movie is enjoyable this movie doesn't have that luxury because they forgot to make it enjoyable so immediately the the person who lives underwater spits out the water as if she's choking on it and it's going to kill her which makes no fucking sense at all for so for minute one i'm angry <laughs> actually no i was actually angry as soon as i heard jason momoa's voiceover with the overly dramatic music and he's trying to be super serious and set up this fucking love story this fucking thornbird's ass love story which is again movie of the week quality where he's like if two ships are in the ocean they'll find each other that's how my parents bet. And it, it's like, good God, this is atrocious. Like, Which isn't true because two ships in the ocean rarely find each other. That's how people get lost to sea and die. However, I do remember this one little thing, this little tidbit. And it was weird because I saw it on. It was it's something I saw as a child at church on like they had like this little literature thing, you know, with these little pamphlets. And on the cover of this pamphlet had like these two old timey cars. And it claimed that at one point there were only, <laughs> only two, two cars, cars in and Ohio and they hit each other. So yeah. <laughs> if that's true, which I don't know, because the church lies like crazy. I saw but, that, too. Uh, you saw that? OK. Yeah, it's some kind of propaganda. So it is possible. I think it's propaganda for. Oh, we saw that, didn't we? Was what? it was it on Adam Ruins Everything? The propaganda for. For cars and for streets. Oh, uh, yeah, that has nothing to do with any of this. I know. You're going down a street that, that leads to nowhere. Uh, so anyway, that, so she has okay. in her possession what I called a five dent because it's not a trident. And then when I was talking to my friend John, he, he informed me, he's like, look, if it's not a trident, it's just a pitchfork. So she has a pitchfork for a weapon. Great job, guys. She brought her pitchfork like you do from the fucking ocean. Uh, <laughs> pitchfork. She has her pitchfork weapon. She brought it for, you know, hunting down Frankenstein or whatever. She falls asleep on the couch. She wakes up. 
and is spooked by a fucking dog, which again blows my mind because she speaks perfect English. And does Atlantis not have an educational system? Because we learn about other animals from around the world, whether right, we've like seen we them know, or not. We're aware of fish. We know what sea lions are. Right. We, we know what these creatures are. Are the dogs of the ocean. Yeah. And they just don't have any of that. They're that. And I don't I watch. I didn't watch the rest of the movie. So maybe they explain. Maybe they have been avoiding humans. I don't know if oh, that's possible, though. And anyone who's heard me talk about the movie, they never explain where she gives birth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which doesn't where, matter. And where this kid's that's birth certificate. That's going too deep. That's going deeper than I go. You never explain where this kid's birth certificate comes from. He is not homeschooled, regardless of who's told me that. Yeah. He's not homeschooled. He is at a public school field trip when he talks to the, when he pulls a Harry Potter and he talks to a shark. Yeah, I'm getting there. So anyway, so she wakes up she promptly eats a goldfish. Uh, Django Fett requests that she not eat his dog as a joke, which to me would be a legitimate concern at That'd this point. That'd be a very legitimate concern. However, she speaks perfect English. Yeah. Uh, then we hear like Enya or some other new age fucking music. Uh, and then something, there, there's a hurricane named Arthur. So they decide to name their kid Arthur after a fucking hurricane. Right. Which again, what? What? You know what? You know what I think when I was going to name the kids, I was like, Lee Harvey, that's a good name. Let's name the kid Lee Harvey after someone who kills. No, <laughs> right. Like, after like, a murderer. People. That's a good idea. No, that's a disaster. You don't name a kid after a fucking disaster. I don't know, though. I fucking hell. Name, we were going to name Mason Gage. And that's a that's a fake movie that didn't happen. <laughs> it's not the same as an actual hurricane. Anyway. All right. Then all of a sudden, people in some sort of Battlestar Galactica armor show up. And they announced their presence by blowing a giant hole in the wall right next to the fucking door. Right next to the door. Why would you do that? It, you could just blow the door up. Well, like, they did. This, it's all the, the other. They came in the other door. But they, they literally blew a hole in the wall instead of using the door. That's much more dramatic. Then we get to what it, it turns out to be my favorite line of, of the movie of the whole 20 minute movie I watched. Uh, <laughs> she has to go away now because she kicks all their butts with their pitchfork. And then... Uh, she said she tells Django that she has to go away to protect their son, Arthur, and she starts crying and she's startled by oh, the God. feeling of tears on her face. And she says, the sea carries our tears away to which Django says, not here, here you feel them. And I, again, what the, who is watching this movie and is just like, yeah, this speaks to me. This is good shit. <laughs> like this, this shit. speaks to my soul. <laughs> right. This, this you have to speak to your soul. But what part of your comic book? I, I don't. That's not why you go see a comic book movie. So then they get, they get on the field trip. Everyone is impressed because, well, they, they pick on Arthur at first Wait, because he's I like, like, yeah, I don't remember. Anyone they they pick impressed. on they pick on Arthur. Uh, because it's a DC movie and DC can only have origins where children are bullied that's all they seem to understand is physical bullying even though you don't ever see a reason he's he's over there kind of talking to the, and the kids are like mean mean bullying i grew up in the 80s and i was bullied a little bit sometimes but at school it was mostly it, it wasn't like to the point where i felt like truly threatened like somebody wanted to beat my ass just because i was poor it was more just making fun of me these kids are like menacing it was little like arthur it. Yeah, it, it, well, I guess that was the fifties, right? So, or sixties. I thought you were talking about the it, the new movie. That's the eighties. Well, yeah, but I was talking about the book. So anyway, they come over and bully the shit out of him, and then the shark that he apparently has summoned 
starts beating on the thing and and they're all impressed or confused or whatever they're all just staring at him he just and i i, I can't tell if they figured out that he summoned the shark or if they're just terrified and they think arthur is an idiot because he just stands there while this shark is about to bust out so it, either way it's it's dumb it's very harry potter when so the then disappears. then then the submarine a russian submarine gets hijacked right this is where we're at now we're, we're in the we're in modern times or whatever aquaman's an adult or whatever and a, a submarine while submerged has been hijacked how the fuck do you hijack a submarine while it's underwater how do you do that? But men board this submarine. They're in cahoots. While it's underwater. So that, again, another major problem I have. And then for whatever reason, Aquaman cares about this Russian submarine because of Russian collusion is the only I can figure. Yes. He's a Russian agent. Why the fuck else would you care that a Russian submarine has been hijacked? He comes and save the, saves the Russians. Yes, he delivers the line that you like. He's in cahoots. He, he, he says the line. That you you like permission to come aboard? <laughs> yeah, for the, it's so ridiculous. So of course and he, he does this. Oh my god, he's look. shirtless and in jeans, and he's got his chain wallet on, like you do when you're in the ocean, right. like all the surfers do. They got totally. their jeans and their chain wallet. He's like, hey man, and where are my jeans at? I'm going in the ocean. So we learned that he's impervious to bullets, blades, and grenades. And the the man, the dude who beco- clearly becomes Manta later. Uh, starts you know he tries to stab him in the chest and it just stops so this manta dude's really smart so then what he does is he tries to keep stabbing him more because maybe that'll work that's the best way to fight somebody that can't be stabbed is just keep trying to stab them he's like i did not grant consent for this (laughs) i'm very angry (laughs) so yeah it was not granted so we get a, a ridiculous fight scene a lot of cheesy electric guitar riffs like straight out of 1987 so bad and uh, then uh, the Black Manta guy's like, please save my dad. Aquaman's like, go fuck yourself. And he says, shame on you to the dad. Shame on you. He actually says that. He yeah. says, shame on you. He says, sh- he's shame. Shame for shame. And leaves him to die. And then I turned it off. I was like, that that was as far as I was like, this is this is all around. It's actually worse than I thought it would be. And I apparently uh, we haven't even got to the really bad stuff. That's yeah. that's what's funny to me. It's like we haven't even got to the shit where everybody's so, like, oh, no, you got to see you got to see the romantic montage in the fucking marketplace in the marketplace. Which I thought was a reference to Aladdin. So it probably so, is. So far, we have referenced Harry Potter and apparently there is an Aladdin scene coming up. <laughs> so that's good. It's good that DC has all these original ideas. But I've 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 finally reached 100 percent. I, I can't watch this movie. I just can't. I can't get through it. And the the fact that it was hugely successful just makes me more angry about it. I'm telling you, it's just middle aged ladies diddling themselves. Well, I groups. just read today because circle jerks. Deadline was uh, was doing this thing where they're kind of going back through like the top ten movies of last year, and then they're actually sorting out how much actual profit they made after uh, the video market and after promotion and all that stuff and marketing. Yeah, and Aquaman's on the list, and yeah, Aquaman was 56 percent female audience. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So that's that's Marvel's. If if you want to get women to see comic book movies, DC has it. You just cast a hot dude and make sure he doesn't have a shirt on most of the time. Yeah. Somehow didn't. I mean, I guess Thor didn't have his shirt off enough or wasn't marketed in such a way. Because I feel like Chris Hemsworth is an equivalent hunk. Uh, you know what I mean? He's yeah, built. He's attractive. But, he's, but he, he had an awful lot of layers on. Yeah. He, he had too much too much clothes, I guess. He had a lot of clothes. He had a cape. Like there was just so much going on. 
Yeah. And then like he had, he didn't have all his eyes for some, <laughs> that was, some of it. That was in like one movie. And then like for a while he didn't have hair. He doesn't have hair right now, right? Yeah, what's wrong? He has hair. He's short. It's not wrong with short hair. Well, short hair is fine. I like short hair, but that's not what all the diddly middle aged women like. Yeah. Because their husbands all have short hair. Yeah, and that's did, not what they do. Did you like it better when I had long hair? No, because your <laughs> hair. You have this like luscious mane. <laughs> I like, do. I have thick luscious hair. Yeah. When you I get frustrated like, and go to pull my hair out, it doesn't even come out. It's bad. <laughs> okay, Jack Donaghy. But it's you have like this Pantene Pro V hair Ugh. that turns into like like I could curl it and you could you could like do hair i could probably get sponsorships for your hair if we grew it out <laughs> I, I was offered some garnier fructis commercials yeah but I, I turned them down <laughs> i believe it when i had the long hair because like for our wedding i had to curl your hair no you had to straighten my hair i had to straighten your hair yeah. that's what i had to do yeah because it, it was curling and Dude. i was just like please make it a little straighter <laughs> so it doesn't look so i can yeah. stop looking like I don't even know who I looked like. Yeah, you you seriously, you look like Tina Fey. <laughs> you had... Oh, that's nice. <laughs> like You're Tina like, Fey. yeah, that's that's pretty. I I like Tina Fey too, so I wasn't complaining. But yeah. but I also I don't really like my husband to look like Tina Fey on our wedding day. Yeah, <laughs> that's not ideal. I, I like that picture. That's I like our wedding picture. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> our wedding picture is so ridiculous. <laughs> Logan's there, six months old. <laughs> And I have a terrible mustache. You have this awful mustache and this hair that curls in on the ends like a bob. Well, because it is a bob. Sean has this it ridiculous wasn't a bob. bob. I was just growing my hair. I never got it cut. I just I, when I grow my hair, I wouldn't I wouldn't cut it at all. I wouldn't get split ends because I didn't like do anything bad to my hair. Sean has the most amazing luscious hair when he grows his hair out. I'm gonna grow my hair out starting right now. <laughs> he's right he's doing that that spongebob thing where he grows his mustache all right so do you have a new story i i oh yeah i think i do yeah it's kind of a new story i'm just, I'm just gonna sum up something i read the other day because it ties into something he did uh it's about garfield and garfield phones so in a french beach over the past like 30 years they've been having these Gar Garfield phones or parts of Garfield phones wash up on the beach <laughs> and they didn't know why for all this time and they finally found in this area that then the water had to be at low tide for them to even get to it but there was like a shipping container that they found <laughs> lodged that was just full of these fucking phones and they would float out of there sometimes and end up on the beach and it was confusing them for years but yeah they had, they had a picture of these, these sand covered Garfield phones and it made me laugh it made me think you're your, your Garfield story. I have, when you're talking about that, I'm Googling something right now. I have a related story that that made me think of that I knew I wouldn't have an issue finding. Is it about Mickey Mouse phones? It's about human feet that wash ashore often. Have you ever heard of that? No. So that's a problem. Human feet? That's a problem that... Like real human feet? That's a problem that was happening a lot in the Pacific Northwest. Really? Yeah. So this story was just updated. Hey, let's pretend I'm a moron and I don't know where the Pacific Northwest is. <laughs> you don't know where the Pacific Northwest That's Washington. That's what I thought. Oregon yeah. is what I was thinking. But I was thinking, yeah. is there yeah, all that area. Pacific Northwest of the U.S.? Right. Okay. Well, and I mean, it can be like Vancouver. But yeah. Okay. So, so in 2019, obviously that's this year, it began. <laughs> this is an article from Vox that I just Googled real quick. 
So I I, it was like the whole Pacific Northwest or just Washington? Well, it's it's a place called the Salish Sea. I don't it, know what that is. It, it's a sea. Yes. In the Pacific Northwest. That doesn't narrow. So, but it's this is American territory we're talking about. This, this isn't is, some this is island somewhere. Washington. Okay. Yes. So 2019 began with the 15th human foot in a decade to wash ashore on the sh- on the shores of the Salish Sea in the Pacific Northwest. But okay, I so okay, it, hold what on. What is this word? Salish. Salish. S A L I S H. Okay, it just sounds like you have a lisp when you say. It sounds like you're trying to say something else. Saying Salish. Salish. Salish Sea. All right. Everybody <laughs> calm down. So, all right. I'm gonna kind of. Fast forward, because I I know this whole story because I've heard this before, but severed feet routinely wash ashore in the Pacific Northwest due to several converging natural causes. British Columbia Coroner Services have been able to identify eight of the previous 12 feet belonging to six individuals. What the hell? It shouldn't be that hard. Well, here's what... I'm so confused. Here's what it is, and I'm not even going to read you this whole thing. They've tested it with, like, pig carcasses and all kinds of things. But here's the—I'm not reading you this article. So what happens is that people die from drowning, from suicides, from all kinds of different things, and they throw themselves into the the water, right? Oh, okay. And then feet, because of how joints come disarticulated, feet come off. But because of shoes, the foot doesn't come apart. Yeah. So feet come up on the— wash up normally uh, like a body will disarticulate at all different points so if you didn't have a shoe on your foot would come apart right it would just disintegrate but because you have a shoe on your whole entire foot will wash up on shore wow so that's why feet wash up on shore in general but this one area has a high because of how it because of how the currents are yeah they have a higher rate of this happening that's crazy isn't it nuts (laughs) That's man. That's that remind. That's not that. But it was like in the news for a while because it kept happening. <laughs> These feet kept washing up on Yeah, that would be horrifying. But that's that's what your Garfield story reminded me of. Isn't that gross? Uh, yeah, I, I was envisioning people. I don't know. They like lost a foot somehow in the ocean, and then Why would you? wash up years later. I don't know. That's just where my brain went. Like, All right, uh, like. Like Arrested Development? Yeah, exactly. Like Like a seal bit off somebody's foot (laughs) and it washes up on shore eventually and somebody's like, that might be my foot. I don't know. I'm going to get it sewn back on. (laughs) Maybe it's preserved from all the salt water. Like, no, that's not a thing. That's not, that's not it. It's. Did did you hear that there might be a serial killer in Chicago? No. Chicago cops are searching for a possible serial killer, according to the New York Post. Chicago cops are asking witnesses to come forward with information about a possible serial killer who may be responsible for the deaths of more than 50 women, a report said Friday. Tell me everything. (laughs) The Chicago Police Department said they are looking into the possibility of a serial killer after a group called the Murder Accountability Project concluded that there is a pattern in the slayings, according to CBS Chicago. Uh, Superintendent of Chicago Police Eddie Johnson told the network, this isn't something we're going to sweep under the rug or put up on the shelf or disappear. We will we still investigate these cases. The Murder Accountability Project. Like, why is that even a thing? Murder Accountability? Like, there's not a murder? There's not accountability for murder? (laughs) Maybe it's because there's so many murders in Chicago. Ah. 
The Murder Accountability Project said the pattern of the killings, 50 females strangled and their bodies dumped since 2001, is consistent with a serial killer. It's highly unlikely these 50 women were murdered by 50 separate men, the head of the project, Thomas Hargrove, said. Um, like it, I guess they all died of, you know, uh, they were 50. all strangled. So it's been, so. but it's been almost 20 years. Yeah. It's not even like, well, how long more. was that, that Golden State Killer or whatever they decided to call him? Like, wasn't he active for years and years? Yeah, he was. I just Googled the article. I'm reading it now, too. All right. I didn't realize New York Post was on, was on uh, WordPress. Look at that. So anyway, um, housekeeping time. Yes. You do housekeeping, so go for it. Go All for right. it. Go for it. No threats this week, right? We're not threatening anybody. We're we're asking nicely. We're like, hey, support the podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, we just paid a bunch of money to be rehosted for a new year. So <laughs> that's what I mean. I don't want to sound like a beggar. Oh, I'm just I'm asking for support. That's all. So for you can go to our Patreon, and it's you can support us for like a dollar a month. And it would it would help support the podcast, and at least until we're big enough to get ads, because we will definitely get ads. Well, yeah, we, <laughs> we turned, will. We, turned we had the, we ad. turned down the one ad because of what I thought was a technical issue that I think actually turned out to be unrelated. Yeah. But in the future, we probably won't, because uh, it's, it's good to have this thing subsidized. But that's it. Yeah. Follow us, like us, share, leave a review. Housekeeping, you know where to find us. Yeah. Unless you're new, in that case, you don't know where to find us. And we didn't reduce ourselves, so we should probably tell you where to find us. Uh, what's our uh, couplegoalspodcast.com? Is that good? Is that our, is that our URL? <laughs> I don't know. How are you in charge of housekeeping? You, <laughs> you put me in charge. That's what you get. Yeah. Couplegoalspodcast.com, where couplegoalspod. Isn't that us? What? Couplegoalspod. That's our, is that our email? Is that our site? I don't know. Couplegoalspod. Pod or podcast on Instagram. I think it's podcast. I don't, I don't know. I you'll don't find know. us. Yeah. Just go to the website. And then <laughs> if you're find actually us. looking, you'll find us. It's not that hard. Yeah. We're around. Yeah. I mean, and then we have that listeners group. We posted in the listeners group about trying to watch the uh, Aquaman. The Aquaman thing. Posted a video of that permission to come aboard. Like, oh, Jesus. It was so bad. Like, who is. Who is watching that? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to buy Aquaman when it comes out. Like, right. who, who, you know who? Your friend John. He's the one who <laughs> lent it to us. And not only did he, he bought it twice. He bought it digitally. <laughs> and then he buys the steel book when it comes out. He also said on the on our podcast I do with him, Sean Knobs and Boomsticks, now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he actually, when I asked him about it after he watched it, he said it wasn't that bad. But it, that... That's to his taste, though. He has right. terrible taste, which is kind of the driver behind our podcast. Right. Is, is he, he recommends has... a lot of terrible stuff. I rip it apart. I recommend good stuff, and he rips it apart. That's our whole dynamic, basically. Yeah, he, did, he didn't like Hudson Hawk. Didn't which... like Hudson Hawk, doesn't like Ninja Turtles. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what kind? <laughs> Recommended, however, King Arthur and the Forgettable Subtitle as a good as a good movie for me to watch that I would really enjoy. And I'm sure most people are like, I don't know what movie that even is. And you're right to not know because it was it was what not even fuck? a blip on the radar of your average movie goer. The only movie that has any kind of King Arthur or anything in it that you would want to watch would be like Monty Python, Monty Python. and the Holy Grail. Yes, that's my King Arthur. What a, what, it's the only one. It's the only one that matters. What other King Arthur? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? 
Okay. All anyway, right. you going first this week? No, you should go first. All right. I'm going first. I'm hey, ready, guys. Ready to buckle up. We're not talking about murder. Ladies, grab your popcorn. Guys, grab your blankets. <laughs> no, everybody. Everybody gather around. We're gather around the campfire for this installment of conspiracy theories. Yes. No murder, no murder, no murder. Today, we're talking about the lizard people that are taking over the world. But... <laughs> 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 All right. That's, that's, did you make this one up? This can't be real. So to understand where this started, I did some internet sleuthing, which turned out to be super easy because it's all over the internet. Do they have a website like lizardpeople.com? So initially, this all started with a professional soccer player or footballer, as he's called because he is British. And his name looks like Icky, but it's pronounced Ike. Okay. And he, I forget what his first name is. I had it and then I deleted it. It, it doesn't matter. Just get to the conspiracy. It's, called, it's like David or something. I don't remember. Um, but he, so he started, he started as a soccer player, but then he transitioned into a sports broadcaster after his arthritis acted up. And then he became a... Um, an active member of the Green Party in the British, I don't know, British Green Party. I don't know how that's different. But then he started adopting New Age philosophies. And he determined that he was psychic. Oh, yes. that's cool. So after resigning from the Green Party, he started predicting various natural disasters, including the end of the world in 1997. Obviously, none of these have come true. They never do. Because it's been 22 years and we're still here. And his wild claims, including the fact that he was son of the Godhead, which I don't fully understand what that claim even means. Yeah. But that kind of made him the uh, figure of public ridicule. But he put out a book after this and it took off. And this is where the lizard people thing started. So in 1999, the book The Biggest Secret was published. In the book, he made this outlandish claim that human beings were created by reptilian aliens known as the Anunnaki. I I think I've read that word before. Yeah, that's that's not made up. That's like based in something. Okay. A lot of his, and you'll, as I read this, like a lot of it's based in stuff. So the nonsensical book put forth other several ideas, which will seem familiar for anyone who has seen The Matrix. Hmm. Shit like body farms and the fact that you're disconnected from the reality. Oh, okay. But for our purposes... We're going to discuss the lizard people claim. So Ike fleshed out the theory in such a way that not just to be compatible, but actually helpful for other conspiracy theories. By claiming that reptilians were ancient aliens that controlled the planet as part of the new world order. 
I think I've heard this, but I, I think I, I thought, I don't know. I thought it was a joke or something. Well, that's what um, Tracy Jordan makes a reference to it in 30 Rock. Oh, okay. While hiding behind world's most pow powerful, wealthy families, I created a framework that could be used to prop up every conspiracy theory from the JFK assassination to the origins of the atomic bomb to your neighbor's alleged alien abduction. Hmm. It's actually quite genius in a storytelling way. Yeah. To weave it into all of these other theories. Yeah. Quite smart. And the lizard people conspiracy theory also gives conspiracy theorists a way out. So as explanations get more and more convoluted and they require more fucking nonsense just to justify them. Yeah. Eventually, a conspiracy theorist can just shrug and claim that it's all the reptilians. <laughs> Be like, ah, it's lizards. <laughs> the lizard folk. Fucking, fucking lizards. So I connected his reptoid hypothesis to folklore and myths. Because the Anunnaki have their roots in Babylonian mythology. What are you Googling? What are you doing? Lizard people. Stop it. I want to see, what, I want to see this, an artist rendering of a lizard person. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why, why when I Google during your stories? Because well, I'm actually Googling something related to what you're talking about. And the reptilian homes underground. Those. Yes, I know. <laughs> Stop Googling it. So the reptilian homes <laughs> underground. What is that? I know. This is great. You just Google lizard people and they go to the image search. It's fucking fantastic. Hillary Clinton's one of them, apparently. They, everybody is one of them. So they play into the indigenous American stories about the subterranean lizard people. So apparently that's like something that has played into history. Okay. In indigenous American stories. So in 2013, are you ready? I'm ready. Public policy polling released the results of a national survey looking at common conspiracy theories. Yeah. The results were horrifying. <laughs> with almost 41 million people believing Obama to be the Antichrist. Wait, what? In America or in the world? In America. 41 million you can't poll that many people. They have to be extrapolating that. No, data. this is public policy polling. Okay. So, but focusing on the result that matters at hand. <laughs> Sorry, these pictures. Oh, I know. I saw that one. That's actually a lot of the. That's the article that I'm about to reference. Okay. So 12 million people believe that lizard people are actually controlling our politics. 12 million people. This is why not everybody should be allowed to vote, people. Public policy polling broke down belief into each in each theory by whom the respondent supported in the 2012 election. Because remember, this was 2013, right? Yeah. Lizard people, vaccines causing autism and global warming being a hoax were all believed by Romney supporters. Was this like this must have been by like more pre, pre flat earth stuff? But I feel like Flat Earth's been around for a little while. That, so that didn't make the list as as one of the top conspiracies. Oh, okay. Only two percent of Obama supporters believed in lizard people for curious purposes. What was the percentage on the Romney supporters? Or did it say it just said more? Oh, it was five percent. Oh, five percent. Okay. Yeah. So how do we spot lizard people? Because I know you're concerned about this. Yes. Good news. 
the Atlantic had <laughs> the, good a, news. The, the Atlantic had a list of lizard traits so that we can all be on the lookout. Excellent. Let me write these down. You can tell if the person has green eyes. Hey, you have green eyes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Good eyesight. Or you are awfully cold when you come to bed at night. Good eyesight or hearing. No, that's not you. <laughs> Red hair. That's not, well, artificially. A sense of not belonging to the human race. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So red-haired people with green eyes are just lizard people? That's, that's Bryce Dallas Howard. Is she a lizard person? <laughs> Fucking Amy Adams. Right. Unexplained scars. What? A love of space. Oh, come on. And low blood pressure. <laughs> Let me just check your blood pressure. <laughs> I have quick. very low blood pressure. Go check. <laughs> but this went on in the Atlantic article. If you don't have green eyes, it's possible that you have a hologram that Jesus. changes your eye color. So you might still be a lizard. You can't be sure. So it's best to err on the side of caution because you're probably still a lizard. <laughs> the only way to know for sure is if it's you. Like you'll know. No. So. Did you ever see that John Carpenter movie, They Live, with Rowdy Rowdy Piper? No. You know the premise behind that is that he gets these sunglasses and he can see what people really are. And they're like, a lot of them are these fucking aliens and they're all in power and everything and controlling. No, but that's probably based on something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Or these kind of theories. But yeah, so the Atlantic article is hilarious and it's it's like. That just sounds all and made it, up. It shows Obama, and it's like that's a good that's it, a good one for our April first podcast. Though. Yeah, it is, it's it's pretty funny because it's like it shows Obama, and it's like has brown eyes, and it's like probably still a lizard, probably still <laughs> so, a lizard person. I, he showed up in the image search. Somebody, yeah, everyone, some, some lizard traits on him there. No pictures thinks, of the actual lizard from the Amazing Spider-Man movie, which is the most humanoid-looking lizard I've seen. You think it's you would pretty, use that? It's pretty funny. Like it's instead they're using uh, what are they called? I forget what they call those creatures from uh, Land of the Lost, slee stacks. They're using a lot of slee stack images instead. I don't know what to tell you. This people are like, yeah, lizard people. That's a thing. Twelve million people are like, yeah, there's probably lizard people. <laughs> probably lizard people. They live on the bottom of the earth. On the there's other side. an alarming amount who think that the JFK assassination was planned like was like all set up and stuff there's like hundred by, by lizard people no no oh. when i when i went through those polling numbers from 2013 yeah that they're those are upsetting numbers you should go <laughs> look those up those are published on you were actually on the article yeah when you showed me that thing yeah they're on the atlantic just google 12 million people think that lizard people exist just google that just Google lizard people. And you'll find fun. you'll find that article and you can read all the polling numbers and they're very upsetting. You'll find out who else is out there voting and be like, oh, OK, this yeah. is good. That's good to know. You should have to apply to vote. That's good to know. Those That's good. That makes me feel safe. All right. Uh, so I have this week. I am going to talk about a video game series for the first time. I've kind of been avoiding video games because I, my stuff is already kind of niche. And this is like niche within a niche. 
It's going to be like niche within a niche within a niche. You know what's funny? <laughs> That's where I'm going. You've been avoiding video games, but yet you've mentioned video games in your topics. Yeah. So like, yeah, but I haven't done an actual, I haven't focused on a game or a game series or a publisher. Like I did video game movies, video game movie adaptation, but I didn't want to just, I was trying to find a way to make it entertaining for the lay person, if you will. Oh, well, that's some condescending ass shit right there. Why is it condescending? All right. Not everybody likes video games. Yeah. So for for the the non-gamer, how do I make talking about a video game interesting? For instance, you have mentally shut me down already. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell by your your posture and the look on your face and all your body language. Yeah, by calling me a lay person. What is wrong with being a lay person? I'm a lay person. We're all lay people. I just found something in the couch, and I'm going to throw it at you. (laughs) Please don't. What is that? An acorn. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So I'm going to talk about one of my all-time favorite franchises, possibly the greatest uh, competitive video game franchise of all time. This franchise first started in 1987 at the arcade. I was six. Uh, The first game was not a great success. It was, however, an essential step in creating what became a very successful genre. And this game was called Street Fighter. Yeah, it should be fanfare. Can you insert some sort of like crowd hype when you edit this? (laughs) No, that's that's the opposite of what I'm looking for. I don't like that. All right, enough. Enough from the peanut gallery. All right, so the original game was a one-on-one fighting game. It was not the first one-on-one fighting game. That probably goes to Karate Champ in the a few years prior, but that was like a literally like a karate tournament where if you got I've one never hit, heard of that. Karate, yeah, it was not a big hit. It was not hugely <laughs> successful, and if you got one hit on your opponent, you won. And it was like you know, it was that kind of thing. It was just all about actual karate. All right, so martial arts were huge in the eighties. I don't know if you remember or not because you were six. But from the Karate Kid movie, Chuck Norris movies, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, Steven Seagal. <laughs> Steven Seagal running. <laughs> yeah, if Google anybody, that. If anybody wants to watch something funny, go on YouTube and look that up. Uh, so there, in a lot of games, they just emulated popular action films. And some of them just outright stole assets and artwork. Like if you look at Contra, like the cover art for a Contra, it is literally just the cover of the Predator poster <laughs> redone. And then there's artwork from Alien, or no, it's either from Aliens or Terminator, but it's Michael Bean. They repurposed that for the first Metal Gear game on the NES. They they were just blatant. And in, in Contra, you fight like an alien queen. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, they, like so much they just ripped up. But video games were, you know, uh, even more niche back then than they are now. So nobody cared or got sued or anything. Uh so there were games like Double Dragon, River City Ransom, and Bad Dudes. Those were all a bunch of side-scrolling martial arts games that were pretty popular at the time. Uh, this game, however, was different because it was a tournament-style fighting game instead of a side-scroller. Every enemy you fought in the game was basically a boss fight. It was you against one guy. If you lost, you pumped another quarter in. That was it. There was no string of, like, easy one or two hit guys beforehand. So every, everybody's a boss, basically. Uh, your character, who's named Ryu, he had special attacks aside from typical karate kicks and punches. He could do a spinning kick that propelled him across the screen. He had a jumping uppercut called a dragon punch. 
and he could throw a fireball, like a, a key fireball by shouting Hadouken. Give me your best Hadouken, Maggie. Give me a Hadouken. Everybody says Hadouken. Everyone's Hadouken. That's your best Hadouken. It's the best, best one. One more time. Hadouken. <laughs> all right. Great job. Thanks. Uh, that's, right, it, that's how the lay people say it. That's how the lay folks say it. Yeah, we say Hadouken. It, it also had a two player option, allowing both players to fight each other in a best of three match with the winner being able to continue playing while the second player had to put in another quarter. Second player used a character called Ken, who had the exact same moveset as Ryu and just was basically a sprite swap. Uh, Ryu was a Japanese karate guy. Ken was an American karate guy, blonde hair. I don't like the gi. idea of having that, like the second player having to put back in another quarter. Well, this, this, this is, I'm, I'm going to get to that. That's, that's a big part of it. All right. So the original release of Street Fighter uh, was unique for other reasons. It featured an eight way joystick and two buttons, which is pretty standard for an arcade game. However, these buttons were huge. They were oversized. They were probably like four or five inches in diameter. What? Yeah. I don't remember that. Well, you wouldn't. You were six. I wasn't even I don't remember it because I never played the original Street Fighter at the arcade. So one button was kick. The other was punch. However, these buttons were they were pneumatic buttons and therefore they were pressure sensitive. So depending on how how hard you hit the button, determine how hard your attack oh, was. Oh, absolutely not. And there were three different strengths for each attack. You had, you know, light, medium and hard punch, well, light, medium and hard that. kick. Right. Well, in American arcades, these buttons were getting destroyed by really aggressive, probably drunk people as they were pounding on these fucking buttons. They were designed to be, you know, hit and people were hitting them trying to get the hardest attack out. Jesus Christ. Not playing with any nuance Can whatsoever. You stop hitting that hard. Like you're look at you. <laughs> with, well, I'm, I'm emulating. I'm, I'm emulating the, the 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 people who would play with these. And basically the, the wires would get detached and like the. You know, there's like pneumatic tubing in there would become detached and everything. And then the game would become inoperable and therefore no longer profitable. So Capcom, Capcom is a company who who created a program, developed, published Street Fighter. They they implemented a fix by shipping new control panels to our to the arcades that the arcade owners had to install themselves. But basically they had to replace the oversized buttons with six regular sized arcade buttons now you had three buttons for punch three buttons for kick yeah that makes more sense <laughs> well you got to remember too having more than two buttons on an arcade game like you might have seen one with three buttons was considered extreme because you got you know people put their money in and they have to learn it while they play it for the first time right so they didn't want it you have to only have to learn it the once once you learn it you know it but with street fighter you put your quarter in as soon as you lose your game's over and you could lose within a minute and be done. There was, yeah, you didn't have lives or anything. And so I think that's why they went with the initial two button scheme to entice people in because it didn't look complicated. But now they moved to six buttons. I, like most people, was completely unaware of this game back in 1987 where I was, you know, 11 years old or so. Uh, never heard of it. Yeah, you didn't even have a TV. How could you have heard of a game? <laughs> well, I remember seeing games at like the grocery store. They had a punch out arcade game. And I, I was aware of Pac-Man and Galaga and Centipede and those kind of games. I, I never saw Street Fighter one anywhere. So now we're going to fast forward to 1991. And in February, Capcom released a sequel titled Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior. Uh, I don't remember playing this game. 
that early in the it was probably late fall when I first played Street Fighter 2, but it, it came out in February. Some kids at school were talking about it. They invited me to an arcade to play it. So I read about it in a magazine called EGM, Electronic Gaming Monthly, my favorite old school video game magazine. You look so <laughs> expressed well, I just yourself. don't understand how you got to go to this, how, how you got to go to the arcade. You weren't allowed to do anything. I was 14. It's almost 15. And this was right before my mom, like, finally got a TV. I think I was 15 when my mom finally bent because some some of her church friends that never had a TV bought one. So it kind of made it OK for her to do so. So I think it was on the end of that. However, she also didn't know I was going to an arcade. This is one of those oh. things where like, I'm oh, Aaron invited me over. Can I go over to his house? And and it went from there. She didn't know what I was doing. So she didn't know I was in an arcade. However, it was it was a short time later that she changed. I know this because I had Street Fighter 2 for the Super Nintendo, which came out the next year. So it wasn't that long afterwards. The fact that you even had a Super Nintendo is ridiculous. Why? Because you didn't even have TV. Well, no, we like... had we got a TV first. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't just have a Super Nintendo and go like I just pet it and stare at it. <laughs> Take talk it to, to other it, people's houses. Click on the button sometimes. Be like, I'm gonna <laughs> play you one day. You just <laughs> wait. Up in other people's houses. Like, right. Like, hey, man, can I use your TV? Look what I got. Well, I'm here. Can I uh, hook this up to your television? <laughs> I brought my little red. It was such yellow, a pain in the ass cable. to hook up a game system back then. Like, and when people brought a game, a system over, because I don't know if you remember, everything back then you didn't really have your RCA inputs back then. You didn't have your yellow. Yes, I remember. Red you and did. white. Yes, you did. Okay, okay. Well, poor people mostly just didn't have those on their TVs. Okay, well, in I, the early nineties, yeah, everybody did. So when you would always have an RF adapter or RF converter. And you'd have to screw it into the coax and then screw the cable into that. And then you'd have to put your TV on channel four and then you could play your video game system. You don't remember any of that? Like even in the 80s with your NES, you had RCA jacks. I didn't hook anything up in the 80s. So that's why you don't remember. I was a child. Yeah. But I remember like when I, I remember, I guess I more remember playing like PlayStation 1. Yeah. And I remember just plugging that in. It wasn't that hard. Well, that was 95 by then. That was they were a lot more common by 95. But in, in Super NES Genesis days, Genesis, you didn't even. It, well, Super NES and Genesis, I don't think you, I think Super NES came with RCA adapters, but I know the Genesis didn't. I had to buy those separately. Like I know, like I played because when I got my wisdom teeth out, I borrowed my boyfriend's PlayStation. Yeah, because I had to recover. Yeah. And. I, Again, that was 95, though. A lot happened in four years. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you never hooked anything up until then. That was the first time. I didn't have a reason to. Yeah. And what was I, what was I going to be doing? Like, 10 years old, just running around hooking up game systems? Yeah, when Steve would bring his NES somewhere, Listen, we had to hook it up. I understand that gender equality nowadays everyone acts like girls are running around doing this crazy shit <laughs> crazy shit but like <laughs> hooking up nintendo in the 90s that wasn't a thing that like, was, like a, that was a dude's role that one girls were running around at 10 years old hooking up games <laughs> that's not a thing that was happening it was a common back then no at no. 10 years old girls were riding bikes and they were climbing trees like they were doing that kind of stuff but they weren't yeah. running around hooking up game systems that wasn't like Hey, bring me this. I'm going to go run your surround sound and all the other shit that you were doing. Like, that's not that's not what we were doing. Oh, all right. Well, that's we're, enlightening. Like, so 
It's really not my, I don't think my sister was into that stuff either, so. Yeah, it's not, but, but I mean, my boyfriend let me borrow his PlayStation when I was recovering from getting my wisdom teeth out. So, I mean, there is a point where, and I played Metal Gear Solid and wrestling games. Yeah. So, there is a point where, you know, their girls did play boy games too, quote unquote boy uh, games. They always, the, my first experience that I remember playing games, it was an Atari owned by two girls yeah, who lived I up mean, the street. So I've never been like, oh, this is for boys because the first people who had one were girls. Right. And so then my I mean, cousin Sherry had a Vectrex. Like I at no okay, point I don't did know I ever. What that is. It was. But a, I assume really that's cool. something that's meant for people who were born in the 70s. <laughs> no, that's it was not an 80s thing. That's not. <laughs> well, yeah, I was born in the 70s. Yeah, so yeah it makes sense. But not, it was an 80s game system. It had its own monitor okay, yeah, built no. in and it had vector graphics. That was the whole thing. It was called the Vectrex. Oh. And I remember going over to their house and playing her Vectrex in her room. Oh. And uh, that's. Yeah, I, anywhere I could play games, I would I would do that. But yeah, like that's. Yeah, like I see, for me, it's, I've never had that association because some of my first memories, it was girls that had video game systems. Right. So I. That's I never, how people. But still, girls weren't like, oh, bring, like, let's hang out and I'll bring my. <laughs> no, it was like, you know what? This is hooked up in my bedroom. It's a fucking hassle to bring it places. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm bringing it over. Well, like. <laughs> Girls are still a lot more rational than dudes. We knew it was a hassle. I'm not bringing it. Like, I'm not doing it. It's not worth my time. So, no, we weren't well-versed in hooking things up because we knew it wasn't worth the hassle. Uh, all right. All right, back to where... All right, so I I, I was I read in a magazine, EGM, and I, I was... They were starting to cover the Street Fighter Two game that I hadn't played. And Street Fighter Two had eight different characters had Ryu and Ken from the original game, but then there were six other characters, all from different countries, all different races, only one female, and they they all had their own fighting style and their own projectile attacks, and just it was, it was really cool. You, you know, like kung fu, you had the big Russian wrestler, it uh, you had the the big uh, American soldier type guy with his military fighting style. That's weird because I heard there wasn't any diversity back then. There's no diversity. At all back in the 90s. No, this game was rife with diversity. It was made by Japanese people. Uh, all right. So I, I I decided I settled on Ryu. This is my introduction to Ryu. He, he looked like generic karate man. He looked like he had the most, the, the easiest move set to learn. So I, I studied his moves and he had complex. Everybody had these complex fucking moves. Again, different. Most arcade games, you think of like the Ninja Turtles arcade game. You know, you got your controller, you got a jump button, you got an attack button. You move with the joystick and it faced directions with it. This game, if you wanted to throw a fireball, you had to move the joystick quarter circle from down to forward position and then hit punch at the right yeah, time. Yeah, I didn't play that game. Yeah, so it had all these complex move movements that, again, was not the norm for arcade games back in the day. Uh, so go to the arcade, put my quarter up on the machine. That was a thing. Do you remember that? You put your quarter up so you could play no, I next? I didn't go to arcades. You never went to arcades even? No. Wow. Are you uh, serious? Yeah, I wasn't trying to hang out at arcades. <laughs> All right. So. <coughs> like, I don't really like people, yeah. like big groups like that. It wasn't a big group. It was like three or four of us. So if I was going to play a game, I was going to do it at home. Like Dude, I was, games weren't a social thing. It was by yourself. Right. It's something to be like, ashamed of. <laughs> you don't share that experience <laughs> with anyone. No. People, <laughs> like I could, I'll have a friend over. Yeah. But. Why play more than two player? <laughs> well, this have, was only two player game. Uh, and you have a friend over and the two of you play. Right. Who needs more than that? 
Well, that was the thing. This is this is what I'm talking about when I talk about the the competitive gaming and kind of creating that whole scene. So you go to the arcade, and my first experience, uh, we were the first ones at the machine after school this day, and uh, two people get up there, and you put your quarter up on the thing, and you just watch your quarter. As people move their quarter and put it in, you put yours in when it's your turn. How do you know if it's your quarter? You just watch it. You just know that's your quarter. You, you, everybody just knows which quarter is there. I never, ever in all my time spent in arcades, never saw anybody fight over whose quarter it was. I can tell you right now that if I had been put in that situation, that's where my anxiety would have started. <laughs> perhaps, I got anxious. I was a little bit anxious the first time I did it. Perhaps that's where like Gen X started their anxiety. <laughs> was it the street at the arcade playing yeah. Street Fighter? Is have, no, and having to watch their quarter and not having any way of like keeping actual tabs on their quarter. And then like, just watch it like or, you know, how like when you're in school and you always had a, you were assigned a, a paragraph to read. Yeah. And you would like pre-read it and you would yes. count down. Maybe in that's there where any anxiety, words in it that you yeah. didn't know how to pronounce. Maybe that's where anxiety started. Yeah. Things to think about. <laughs> My anxiety started when my mom told me that Jesus was coming and I had to be ready. <laughs> that's where it all started for me. Your anxiety started when she was like, say goodbye to the TV. Yeah, that's what And I was all like, of your toys. Oh, woo, woo. <laughs> that's, that was my reaction pretty much. <laughs> my anxiety started when my mom told me that she didn't actually want me and that I had to go live with my grandma. Ugh. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> now, our, anyway. our mom would tell us how much she hated us <sighs> and she wished we weren't born. And I remember always thinking like that that's your fault though even as a kid just being like i had nothing to do with that (laughs) i had no say in this no one consulted with me i'm not the slut who got knocked up behind the fucking gas station (laughs) anyway all right so yeah we put their quarter and i do remember at first i I was like how how i always always worried somebody's gonna take yes i never saw anybody i never saw a fight break out over that i saw fights break out in an arcade but it from what i could tell it was never over a quarter this is why this is why there's so much like Xanax prescriptions and shit <laughs> nowadays is because everybody was watching their watching their quarter. watching their quarter. Sure that there was going to be an issue. All right. So I put my quarter up, watch my friends fight each other. And when it was my turn, I was very pleasantly surprised to see that I was able to pull off these moves I had studied. And I was like, cool, I'm actually doing it right. However, I had no fucking skill or strategy to actually fighting. So I got my ass kicked really quickly and lost. And, uh, it was probably over in less than a minute. I lost both rounds because I was busy doing my dragon punches and my Hadoukens. <laughs> and meanwhile, everybody, the the other player who had played it before was just jumping over my shit and beating the snot out of me <laughs> while I was like, look, I threw a fireball. I did it again. I'm dead. <laughs> You're like, I threw it at nothing because right. he's behind me. Uh, so it, I, I put my next quarter up behind all the others. And got behind everybody and just watched and waited my turn. And I was hooked. I was already formulating a plan for my next fight as I only had so many quarters and you didn't want to be left as a spectator so early in the fucking day. So because winner stays on, keeps playing on his own quarter. So that really pushed people to get some skill at this game because it costs money to not have skill at this game. It literally costs money. Look how anxious that's you are right so now. so stressful. <laughs> this was arcade culture, though. And so that's why fights would and break that's out. that's why I didn't hang out there, because I don't need that in my life. There weren't a lot of chicks at the arcade. I'm yeah. not gonna, I don't remember seeing any chicks at, like, the seedier arcades. Like, if you went to, like, Aladdin's well, yeah. Castle. 
the reason there weren't any chicks at the CD arcade is because we weren't trying to get killed. <laughs> we were all at home <laughs> watching Unsolved Mysteries going, nope, uh, nope. We're going to stay the hell away from all of that. Watching Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah. Learning about what happens when you go to CD arcade. Right. Learning about where not to go. We're like, okay, we're watching T2 going, see, see what happens. All the bad kids hang out at the arcades. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a big part of learning to get good at this game at, at the arcade because it wasn't on home console yet was the fact that it was an investment. And a lot of times there would be a guy at the arcade who would just run the machine all day. He put in one quarter. You'd show up, you'd fight him five or six times and you'd be done <laughs> or whatever. Uh, or you just give up at that point because you're like, shit, I got three dollars left because <laughs> I'm 14 and I don't have a job. My mom only gave me a five dollar bill and I was supposed to spend that on McDonald's. <laughs> but I you're didn't. like, also, I'm hungry. <laughs> right. I'm very hungry. So you had to you had to decide. So but I obviously wasn't the only one like this. This this was the world over was like this it became a global phenomenon. Kids could not get enough. It was bigger than Fortnite is today. And as you know, Fortnite is the big popular game with with kids like uh that's brand new information no i'm just i'm not saying it's news but i'm just comparing it because i can't think of another game like minecraft was real huge pokemon was real big and stuff but for now fortnite's like the big game or just that style of game the battle royale genre in general so this was this was like that but with but see i remember games. i remember mortal kombat being like that yeah well, I'll, I'll get to Mortal Kombat. I have, oh God, I have today? words for Mortal Kombat. Well, now that you brought it up, yeah. Oh. You have you have shit to do? Oh, we're over an hour already. All right, I'll try to hurry this along. All right, uh, where was I? All right, started appearing on video game magazine covers like seemingly every other month. They had gossip, news, tips, strategies. Uh, Caps, Capcom finally considered a follow-up. They were initially just going to call it a one-and-done game and move on. But they had gossip? What does that mean? Like Ryu's oh, there's having a whole, there's a Ryu's whole having Q-Man's, an affair. <laughs> like, no, what no. is that? Q Man's oh, what was it? It's like a quarterman or Q Man had a whole gossip column in EGM where he would it was industry gossip. It was, you know What does that mean? <laughs> I love that you're like <laughs> you think this is ridiculous. I do. This was, this was a thing, man. It would be it it would basically be Behind the scenes stuff is like, oh, SNK wants to get into the home console market. They're working on something we're hearing. We're hearing, you know, this designer left Capcom. uh, Gamers, man. Gamer geeks, dude. We fucking cared, man. I cared a lot. I wanted to know. And they like wrote articles on this? Yeah. Well, it was just like a whole column of like gossip and, you know, what he's hearing in the industry kind of thing. Upcoming titles and, and things like that. And yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a very real thing. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was big into it. What? <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'm used to being made fun of. It's all good. I love. And you like bought these magazines? Oh my god, they were yes. I understand now why the magazine industry is dead. I get it. <laughs> why? Because this is not. That's not quality content. But okay. <laughs> Yeah, because BuzzFeed, <laughs> they, they bring all the good shit to me. That's what killed the magazine yeah. the internet. BuzzFeed's great, isn't it? No, it's it's fucking terrible. Dude, I saw that. I saw a picture of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Oprah today. <laughs> yeah, on BuzzFeed. I talked about that last week. Yeah, I saw that on BuzzFeed. All right, so Capcom, they, they weren't going to follow it up. However, uh, they were promised. Uh, there, there are some people within Capcom, Capcom Amer- America specifically, <laughs> that really wanted some kind of follow-up to this game because it was going gangbusters. 
And the the head of Capcom said, "Hey, you bring me five these five biggest arcade owners, and if they'll if if, if between the five of them they'll buy a thousand units of the follow up to Street Fighter Two, you can make a follow up." So they brought him Noah's arcade. <laughs> Noah's arcade. <laughs> Games are kids are hip and what I don't know how the rap yeah, goes. It's, it's <laughs> I wish I knew the rap. It's cool. It's Noah's arcade. Yeah, or whatever. It's, hip, it's cool. It's Noah's arcade. Yeah. So they bring these five guys. The very first guy says, "I'll take a thousand. Oh. They sold two thousand more units to the other guys, and then they went golfing. Like that was the whole meeting. <laughs> like the guy, first guy was like, "Look, I'll take a thousand immediately." So they they clearly had something going on that Capcom was not. They weren't fully aware of of how big this thing was. Clearly. Uh, so March of 1992, the first follow-up was released. It was called Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition. So you're probably expecting Street Fighter 3. Well, you probably weren't because you know a lot about Street Fighter because of me. But most people probably expect a follow-up to be a sequel called Street Fighter 3. As now you will me, find out, there's, that is not the case with Street Fighter. Street Fighter is a nightmare when it comes <laughs> to naming conventions. <laughs> so March of 92, Champion Edition was released. It was essentially the same game, but now the bosses were playable. There were four boss characters. Uh, you could play as them now, and it also allowed uh, what we call mirror matches, which is uh, where both players could pick the same character. If you want to do Ken versus Ken, you could do that now. You couldn't do that on the original cabinet. Well, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. And then in Sounds great. July of 92, they brought it to the Super Nintendo, which was fantastic because I actually had one. I traded in my Genesis to get one. Yeah. And still no TV, but they got No, I had a TV. <laughs> I swear to God, I had a TV. And we had one TV in the house, and yes, it was a 19-inch Zenith. Even though I tried to convince my mom not to get a Zenith, she had to get the the same kind that the other people got. I tried to tell her to get a fucking Sony. Instead, she brought bought some obsolete-ass shit with the most bulbous screen I've ever seen I in my remember, life. I remember when she had a, she had a Zenith when yeah, I met you. Yeah, she still... she. What do I know about TVs? What does Sean know about television? I remember she had a Zenith when I met you, and it was the most... Bul- it was like a fucking beach ball. <laughs> right? It yes. was so brown. Yes. And even then, I was like, Mom, we need a flat. They didn't really have flat screens, per se, but they had flatter screens. They were just a lot less when curved. When I met you, you had a very flat screen. Yeah, I, try, yeah I tried really hard to. Yeah, I was I was all about flat screen from, from was the get-go. it was by yeah. then. So you had a pretty flat screen TV. I just mom- had that 20-inch Sony, which was pretty old. I got that in the in the 90s. But yeah, it was, this, it was the flattest you could find that wasn't a projection TV. Your mom had this beach ball of a TV. Yes. And she was just That's, like, she was it's all good. about it. I like that I can't see big chunks of the TV if I sit <laughs> in a certain angle. I like that it gets distorted in the corners. That's preferable. <laughs> I like That's it. That's my that, preference. I like that if I sit over on the one side of the couch, I can't even see half right. the TV. I like that. That's good. Oh, all right. Man. So they released that. Then they put out the Super NES version in July, which I bought. And I used to get fucking blisters on my left thumb from doing, because I play. Do, do you play. remember that like when you would play games and then you would like go to leave <laughs> like your friend's house or whatever and yeah. you'd be like okay use my hand my thumb would literally get i'd get a huge water blister i would i would puncture it and then i would wrap it in cotton and band-aids and keep playing there has always been something wrong with you mentally when it comes to self-care <laughs> like, <laughs> like you do you do that you got you got that tattoo and it was wrong, so you just cut out part of your arm to fix it. Well, yeah, it was easy. <laughs> just cut it out. Sean, Let's... Sean got a Cowboys from Hell tattoo, and the tattoo artist drew it wrong, so he just cut out with a knife the part that was wrong. There's more to that. It was Dimebag Daryl of Pantera 
drew the CFH symbol on my arm. And so I wanted it to be as he drew it. And he drew like an extra line through the C in the middle that wasn't supposed to be there. So I cut out the the extra line because it wasn't supposed to be there. He cut it out of his arm. Yeah. With a knife. It's a little bit, kind of a little bit scar. See, the scar is almost gone. Feel it. Well, it's because you're old now. I right. can still see it. You can still see it? Yeah. But, I'm single. But it doesn't stick up like it used to. But yeah, look, it looks right, though. Yeah, it does look right. But <laughs> I fixed it. He fixed cut my his, tattoo. He cut his arm off. <laughs> cut it off. Had it reattached. <laughs> and I'm like... And then, like, the I just one... love it. You... Whatever you said about self care, <sighs> holy There's shit. There's something wrong. Let me die. <laughs> and then, like, this one time, his tooth wasn't right. So he took what was that thing called that you had a like, uh, multi tool? He took like a multi tool to his tooth and then just removed his tooth because he didn't want to go to the dentist. And again, I saved a ton of money. It was, I eliminated the pain. I don't see an issue here. I didn't get an infection. I remained healthy, problem solved. I, I I don't see any issues with what I've been doing. So anyway, this was literally just popping a blister and then wrapping it and still trying to play because I had to play my. I remember going to Todd's house over Meanwhile, the summertime. Meanwhile, play Street Fighter eight hours a day. What? Oh, oh, but also, he also had a heart attack once. Sean's had two heart attacks for people who don't know. And the first time he had a heart attack, he tried to pull the same bullshit. He told me he was just having indigestion he told me i didn't know what was happening he he, so he had me go get gas x so then when we went to the emergency room (laughs) i did i tried to walk it off remember i was carrying mason around yeah (laughs) he tried to walk off his heart attack turned out that didn't work so then he had a bad idea don't walk off a heart attack (laughs) yeah so then he had me go and get him gas x because he thought maybe it was just gas pain (laughs) so then when he goes like then we went to urgent care because we still didn't know it was a heart attack. And they were like, yeah, heart injury, dying. And like <laughs> sent him by ambulance to the emergency. And when I got there by car, because I, I followed him and I had to drop off the kids and stuff. And then like, no, I, whatever the reason, they, he's apologizing to the crew in triage because he's farting because he had taken Un- gas. Non-stop. Yeah. Every time they lift that blanket, it was just like, <laughs> so whew. his attempt his attempt at self-care with a heart attack <laughs> was to walk it off and then follow it up by taking gas X. I Googled the symptoms sometimes, and the symptoms of heartburn and heart attack are incredibly similar. So I went back to sleep and <laughs> decided to sleep it off first. Sometimes you need to go to a doctor, <laughs> yes. not cut your arm off, pull your tooth out, <laughs> That's and walk off one, a heart attack. One out of four times you should go to the doctor. That's what we've <laughs> learned statistically from my past experience. So there's a little bit of a... Uh, educational portion for you guys one in four times go to the doctor you just be careful which one in four times <laughs> choose wisely <laughs> go for the heart attack don't go for the tattoo removal that's oh, yeah. not a Doctors good reason don't like to help you with that <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing i don't think that you yeah your hmo probably doesn't cover that all right all right so this game came, all right let me tell you about super nes version real quick so we, we didn't have joysticks so that's how i ended up blistering my thumb i'd play against this guy todd who's my friend at the time and he would decimate me. I It would keep like a win-loss record. And I swear it was like my win-loss record was like 10 and 80. <laughs> like it was fucking <laughs> atrocious. And then for me, you know, obviously I'm getting frustrated. So I'm pressing even harder on the D-pad on the Super Nintendo. And your blister's just getting bigger. Yeah. And, and you're like, where's the knife at? I'm just going to cut off my thumb. <laughs> Next <laughs> best thing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? <laughs> Cut off my thumb, Margaret. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, this version was based on the original arcade game. However, EG again, going back to EGM, they published a code where you could do mirror matches. You couldn't play as the bosses, but you could do mirror matches. And you had to put this code in every time you booted up the game. And was it up, they up, down, also, down, left, right, left, right? They also published a code, and this, this one was infamous at the time. It was in their April issue, and they'd always do one April Fool's joke in the issue, and you never knew where it was. It could be a news story. It could be whatever. It could be gossip. Gaming gossip news. <laughs> and the joke was that they put fucking gossip news. But in their tips and tricks that section, like but back when you had to get cheat codes for magazines and shit because you didn't have the internet, they were like they had a code you could unlock a extra character in Street Fighter Two named Sheng Long, and you believed it because after uh, some of the dialogue that would pop up on screen after playing with Ryu, after you would beat somebody with Ryu, it would say something along the lines of "You must defeat Sheng Long." To beat me, which turns out to just be like a poor Japanese translation. <laughs> there was no Shenlong. Long. So they created a, a picture of this Shenlong Long guy and everything and told you how you had to get. And it was elaborate as fuck. And of course, everybody tried it because there was no Internet verification. And of course, there was no fucking Shenlong, Long, you fucking assholes. But it was actually a great April Fool's joke. And I still remember it to this day. That does seem a little bit elaborate, huh? Oh, man. I, I don't remember what you had to do, and I'm sure you could look it up online, but it was probably like play through the game on the hardest difficulty, don't lose a match, don't lose a round, and you know what I mean? Just all, probably all this stuff that you had to do. That's some high-level trolling. Right. All right, so Champion Edition comes out, plays the bosses, uh, have mirror matches, introduce a few new moves and stuff. Capcom gets word that one of their machines in California is glitching and allowing players to do impossible moves like throwing fireballs while in the air. So they sent a representative to investigate. He discovered somebody had created a counterfeit hack. They were they had actually like created a counterfeit of this game. It was so profitable that they counterfeited this arcade game and they called it Street Fighter Rainbow Edition. And it was just it was way faster gameplay. It had all kind of ridiculous stuff in it where you could, again, throw fireballs in the air Uh I don't, I don't remember all the stuff you could do in it. But uh, the fact that it was faster kind of caught Capcom's eye. So they decided that their next iteration was going to be called not Street Fighter 3, but Turbo Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting. Jeez. Actually, it was Turbo Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition Hyper Fighting for the full title of the game, and which was basically Champion Edition. What? Who is in charge of naming <laughs> a Street Fighter Capcom? These are Street Japanese naming conventions. Capcom Street Fighter Naming Division <laughs> 2. Yeah. So this one came out, and it was very well received. Uh, again, really fast gameplay. Regardless and of the naming conventions. All this takes place, all the iterations of Street Fighter 2 came out between 91 and 94, by the way. And all total at the time, five iterations. The next one was Super Street Fighter, which actually introduced four new characters. And then people didn't like that that felt slow compared to Turbo Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition Hyper Fighting. So they introduced Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, which was the final version of Street Fighter 2 until 2017 when they came out with Ultra Street Fighter 2 for the Nintendo Switch. So all those years later, they still... Street Fighter 2 is still coming there out. There might be a new Street Fighter 2 coming out soon. You never know when a new Street it's Fighter 2 is coming. <laughs> it's time for Street Fighter 2. Eventually they did count to three, but not before. Actually, they introduced something called Street Fighter Alpha, which had two sequels, Street Fighter this Alpha and Street Fighter Alpha almost 2. almost as stupidly as Xbox and as stupidly as, as Apple and their iPhones. Yeah. Crowley is trying to take control of the he's recording. Like, he, he knows it's been over an yeah. hour. It's time. He, it's time for his Crowley time. 
I'm he, almost done, Puppers. He only tolerates recording for so long. Right. He's just breathing <laughs> in the mic. Yeah. <laughs> he's so excited. Kelly is on the mic. He's like, we're, he's we're got done a toy. now. He's got a toy. He's very excited about his toy. He has to show it off. Crowley. All right. All right. I'm, 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 I'm in the home stretch here. All right. Street Fighter 2 was responsible for revitalizing the, the entire arcade video game industry in the early 1990s to a level of popularity not seen since the days of Pac-Man in the early 1980s. It was the best-selling arcade game by far since the golden age of arcade video games. It set off a renaissance for the arcade uh, game industry. It was also responsible for popular popularizing the concept of direct tournament-level competition between two players. Uh, before this, people competed with high scores in games. This was like the first time that you could compete face-to-face -face and determine who was better that way. You're going to talk into my mic now? <laughs> come on, <laughs> come here. Come here. Yes, you've got a toy, all right. You sure do. Uh, you're making me lose my spot here. Um, He's like, oh, that's because recording time's over. <laughs> He's like, you've taken too long. Are also influencing uh, competitive multiplayer and deathmatch modes found in modern shooters. John Romero, who is one of the co-creators of Doom, cited the competitive multiplayer of Street Fighter 2 as an influence on the deathmatch mode of Doom. All right, they sold more than 60,000 arcade cabinets of the original Street Fighter 2. Uh, Champion Edition sold 140,000 alone in Japan, uh, where it cost $1,300 for each cabinet, which made $182 million in revenue just generated from that version, which nowadays would be about $335 million in 2019. Uh, the sales for the arcade version of Street Fighter 2 in the West were very successful as well. Street Fighter 2 in 1992 captured 60% of the uh, the UK coin-op market. Coin-op being another term coin for Coin-operated? Yes. Yeah, I know what coin-op means. Okay. Uh, uh, individual machines taking in about 1,000 pounds a week for an estimated $677 million a, a year uh, adjusted for 2014 money. All right. And now we have <laughs> Crowley doesn't care. He's crawling at you. Adjusted for inflation in 2016, all versions of Street Fighter 2 are estimated to have grossed a total of 10.6 billion in revenue, mostly from the arcade market. It is one of the top three highest grossing video games of all time after Space Invaders and Pac-Man. So I'll just leave off there. I was actually going to talk about a bunch more stuff, but it's, it's been a while. So I was going to talk about Mortal Kombat. So we're going to go. Are you going to do a two parter? I guess so, because there's there's a little bit more to this. Not a lot more, but uh, I could probably stretch it out because I love Street Fighter. I do want to address this. So most people remember the fighting game boom because of Mortal Kombat. And let me talk about this nonsense. <laughs> Mortal Kombat came out a year later. Mortal Kombat is a garbage game. It's a fucking terrible game. Wait, are, isn't this saving it for next week? No, I want to get my rant out. All right. Having said that, I like Mortal Kombat and I play it. It is, however, not a good fighting game. It's not a good game. It was known primarily for gore, you know, with the fatalities and the blood and everything. Yeah. And my here, I guess my real issue, aside from the fact the animation was terrible and it was basically just a, a really shitty version of Street Fighter, is the fact that the creators of it, Ed Boon and John Tobias, they even though it came out like a year and a half after the original Street Fighter 2, they said their influence for the game was Karate Champ from 1985. Bullshit. And it's total bullshit because everything about the game from health bars 
to the complexity of the special moves. Yeah. Bullshit. Was all ripped from Street Fighter. The the cast of characters. Bullshit. Yeah. And they 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 don't give credit to Street Fighter. They say that was just like a lucky coincidence. Yeah, bullshit. And that's fucking bullshit. Street Fighter was fucking and I, I remember when Mortal Kombat showed up. It was after Champion Edition was in the arcade. Uh, my friend Todd and I would his dad was in a bowling league. We'd go to Stonehenge every week and play Street Fighter 2. And we were playing Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition and the Mortal Kombat machine was there. And there was a big crowd around it. We went over and put our quarters up. Oh, my God. With no anxiety and played All it. Anxiety. And it was more fun to watch than to play, because if you didn't know how to do the fatalities and stuff, it was a fucking terrible game with a terrible control scheme with a block button in the middle. Yeah, but if you were playing it on Nintendo, all you did was hit the buttons all together that's all anybody was doing well, button mashing yeah no not at the arcade scene not when you wanted to keep your fucking money <laughs> you were not button mashing you were learning how to play nobody was doing that not at home <laughs> that's why you only have the one friend and you invite them over and then you button mash together <laughs> there's no quarters there's no anxiety there's just button mashing yeah i could probably talk about the the uh the impact the cultural impact of street fighter with the movies and uh cartoons and all the, the fucking cavalcade of fighting games that came afterwards that, that didn't, you know, Virtual Fighter, Tekken, Mortal Kombat, Soul Calibur, none of that would exist without Street Fighter. Um, right. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Uh huh. That's it. Blaz Blue. That's all I got. Blaz Blue. Blaz Blue. Blaz that's, Blue. That's right. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So that's all I got this week. Thanks for listening. Dogs are tired of listening. We, should, we still need to come up with like a sign off. Oh, I like to go. This is my sign off. Go you fuck yourself, San Diego. Maybe you just use that. Just do the Anchorman thing. This is my sign off. You ready for it? Yeah. I'm waiting. Ready? Yeah. Ready. Bye. <laughs>